and I knew that by the end of episode four, this is going to happen. And I knew by the end of episode four, this is going to happen. And I knew by the end of episode, and I knew when episode, I just keep hearing clicks. Good. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a 31-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I read them as an adult because I was determining if society had slept on the books. I'm pretty sure they have been, and I hope that now with this TV show, people will stop sleeping on the entire franchise. And we are covering that TV show now on this podcast, and I am joined live in person in the auxiliary Shubio, which is just a fancy way of saying me and Kelly's bigger closet that is not my smaller closet that I normally use for recording. It's Sherry Guo, our wonderful editor, who just had a birthday. Sherry Guo, how's it going? Hello, it is going good. Um, don't remember when the last time I was on the podcast. It might have been before I was moving to LA. So I've now moved to New York, yes. clearly, because we are in person. We're here in person. We are fresh off of watching the episode with the world. Everyone watched it. We got straight from watching to now recording to I will be doing all of the editing for this one. So you don't have to deal with it. It will be me. <laughs> I won't have to listen to my own voice this time. <laughs> it's also... I very late Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be fine. We'll make it work. I will do it and get this up as soon as I can on Wednesday. So let's get into discussing the episode. But before we do, actually, you're a repeat guest now. I think we've asked you, have we asked you all the questions? We asked no. you the Nick Nuremberg. We have not asked you the fatal flaw yes, one, maybe? Okay. That one I have not answered. Have you thought of that? I have. <laughs> okay. What is it if you don't mind sharing um, it? Really bad perfectionism. Oh, wow. Look at us. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Is that in any particular thing or just like oh, you always want 100%? Everything. I want everything to be perfect. I love details don't so much care for the bigger picture, which is also a problem. But, you know, mm. it's really the perfectionism that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but Child yeah. of Athena, am I right? Uh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it, especially uh, I think that's why uh, our little combo editing power for what mm -hmm. we do in these episodes <laughs> works, where you're doing everything to make sure everything sounds perfect. You pass your edit to me. I go through and try to mm -hmm. make sure everything yeah. is absolutely 100% perfect and our powers combine. Make audio that people don't necessarily realize is great until they listen to other podcasts mm -hmm. and I realize every other podcast is worse. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> if you've ever sat next to me on a plane or a train, you've seen me with my nose like a centimeter from the screen, zooming in all the way to be like, is the audio lined up perfectly? Is the audio lined up? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. That's me. I love, gosh, I do my best work on trains and planes and things where the Wi-Fi isn't good mm -hmm. or there. But let's get into this episode. We just watched episode five of the Percy Jackson show, which was called A God Buys Us Cheeseburgers. And it was very good. I really liked this one. I've enjoyed every episode thus far, and I really enjoyed this one. Edge was so great as Aries. Mm -hmm. The changes that they made still fun and cool and interesting. And I feel like they added a lot to the story too. Yes. They're doing a good job of adding to the story taking things from different parts of the story and making it all make sense, finding mm -hmm. ways to have us get things that we haven't seen quite yet, that in the book we would have already known, and mm -hmm. now they're here in the show in different ways, even if that means a different character is saying something or a different person is doing something differently. I like that 
we're getting all of the stuff we want and need. And I'm really enjoying the direction that the show is going. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this episode since all the press interviews started coming on. Everyone's like, you got to watch episode five. Like that is the episode of the season. So very happy to be the guest this episode. Yes. But also I like how they're giving us the backstory exposition stuff in so many different ways mm-hmm. with different people giving instead of just Annabeth being like, so here's everything Greek. Yes, it's fun to have us learning about the things that came from either Annabeth just explaining things to Percy directly or Percy learning things in a classroom. It's fun that we are getting what happened at the solstice from Grover and Ares, and Mm -hmm. we're getting things from different people. It is fun. I think the show is really running with the opportunity of, well, it's not just a first-person narration story. We can Mm -hmm. get other people more into the mix, and I think it's fun, and it makes things not feel monotonous. So. Mm I agree that I really enjoyed this episode and it's starting to now like kick into the big picture. Yeah. Like we're clearly like the the timeline of it makes sense where this is episode five. It's halfway through mm-hmm. and now more than halfway through. And now it's where things are really getting yeah. real. This is where the stakes are the stakes. Yes. It's truly. no longer like a fun little adventure through the U.S. <laughs> yeah, it's really getting into the bigger picture stuff. We are getting our first mentions of Kronos, like the actual mm-hmm. word Kronos was said, which I think is the first time his name has been dropped I on think so. any episode. Yeah. So, this was also the first one without a Percy dream sequence. Yes, good call. This was the first one without, which makes me wonder, are there going to be any more? I feel like we will get one in the next episode because they're going to be on a mode of transportation, Mm. it just feels likely for Percy to fall asleep. Whereas there was no point in this episode where they could fall asleep and have a little nap because there was just so much going on from start to finish. I guess when he was in the chair, but it wasn't Ah. really asleep more like unconscious <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm intrigued to know what was going on with the chair he did still stay wet like yeah. he was wet before the gold and he was wet after the gold he's just preserved in like <laughs> gold i guess yeah he was breathing heavily like what kept him from breathing he, yeah what? he was like suffocating but still soaking wet <laughs> we don't have to worry about that let's go through the story of this episode in roughly chronological order and we'll talk about the things that we liked and go on tangents and classic t no fashion. So we start this episode with the smoking St. Louis Arch. And we were going to record this episode with resident St. Louis expert Johnny Frolicstein, but he unfortunately wasn't feeling well and putting three people together in a crammed closet where one <laughs> is feeling under the weather felt like a bad idea. So we'll try to get Johnny on for a future episode or at the very least have a bonus episode where I just ask him, was the St. Louis legit? <laughs> because you've been to the Arch. I've never I have truly been. Did it look familiar? Did it It feel? It felt pretty legit to me. Okay. The weird, like, walkway thing by the water Mm -hmm. felt a little bit like New York to me. Yeah. I think that's just kind of a classic modern pier. That's true. They all kind of look like that. I do believe that they filmed certain parts of the St. Louis stuff in St. Louis. Some of it, not a lot of it at the actual arch and then some on like a college campus of sorts. That's what I heard too. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something that is in St. Louis, but not necessarily right by the arch. Mm -hmm. But at least the vibe is cool. And I like that we got a little more St. Louis because Mm -hmm. I felt 
like we didn't get enough in the last episode. Yeah, I knew the episode was going to be shorter when I saw the runtime, but then it just cut off. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a good point to cut it off. But also I was like, that was it? Mm-hmm. No more? I think if you are looking for a testament that the show is going well, look at the Instagram comments after that episode came out because there were so many people being like, 33 minutes and five <laughs> of it was the last time on and then plus credits. Like that's how you know a show is good is people are angry that it's too short in quotation marks. But I like that the show is not stretching. I like mm-hmm, that the show yeah. is deciding This is how long it should be. And yeah, based on what happens in this episode, like where else are you going to cut it? Like, I think they did it right. It was a good midpoint finale, even though it wasn't like a midpoint finale. Yeah, I think it works. So we've got the smoking arch and we have Annabeth and Grover standing and there are all the police cars and everything. They are not liking the attention that they are getting from the police. And this is something that I didn't realize until I guested on another Percy Jackson podcast, Camp Half Pod, and we had this conversation. We were talking about episode four, and I had pointed out in our coverage of episode four that I liked that Percy was kind of sassy to the cops because that's kind of in line with Percy's character from the books. But something that we all realized when we were talking about it was that the race of the actors does come into play with like Mm -hmm. how they deal with the cops. And this is also a cool video I saw on social media from the interviews that Rick and Becky were doing. And there was a clip going around. I don't know who they were talking to because it was just Rick explaining that they did have a sensitivity reader for the show and Annabeth's race and Grover's race as Leah and Arian did inform some decisions that they make for the characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really came true in the train where you have Grover being a little more cautious and Mm -hmm. trying to just be really nice to the police and Annabeth just being very straight up like, are we under arrest? Are we under arrest? Like that Mm -hmm. tracks that the one person who was sassy towards the cop was the white guy. (laughs) It definitely (laughs) checked out. And I feel like that held over here where both of them being wary and trying to get away from Mm -hmm. the police attention. Unfortunately, that's just kind of how America works. So I think it was also with Grover and Annabeth being from more of the magical world, Mm. they've had much less experiences with real life authority. 100%. And they've also been trained to never question authority. Yeah. And Percy's like, my mom said I should always question authority. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good point I didn't think of because you're right. With the Olympian stuff, it's like they are the gods and you have to respect them. That's a good point. Really good point. So Annabeth is convinced Percy is still alive wants to find them and then we do see the shot of foreshadowing (laughs) we do see a shot of the fates beforehand though with the snipping of the yarn and this is another prime example of i kind of feel like we have to see all eight episodes before we get mad about stuff that isn't in there because we're getting things in different order i was confused not upset but just curious that there was no fate stuff and then Mm -hmm. when i saw the next week on after episode four with the fates i was like that's weird but it's still basically the same thing, yeah. just putting it in different orders. So she and I guess it was them. Percy who saw them in the book Correct. and not Annabeth. Right. And that's one of those things where, like, all the changes, does it matter? Like, no. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So who, The characters are the characters. They, they don't feel like the movie ones. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. So Annabeth thinks Percy's still alive. Grover doesn't seem as short. They're going to try to find Percy. So they walk down this pier. Percy kind of hops over the ledge and then just goes, hi. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. This episode, I feel like, was a good comedic return to form. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that there weren't comedic moments in the last one, but I felt like episode three was really funny. And I feel like this episode had a lot of really funny mm-hmm. moments, too. And I think that that just 
tonally makes so much sense. The book, I always talk about how you have intense chapter, funny chapter, or intense part of chapter, then funny part of chapter. It kind of feels like what we're getting here, mm-hmm, like yeah. more intense episode two, more funny episode three, but it ends with intense stuff in episode three, then the beginning of episode four is funny, then the end of episode four is intense. Now episode five has some funny stuff. Like they're doing mm-hmm. the correct tone of the books it has translated into the show. So he says hi, and then Annabeth just runs up and hugs him while he is apologizing, which is nice mm-hmm. all around. I saw a tweet earlier today, actually, that was like, this is the first hug he's gotten since Sally, like, <gasps> whoa. went and fought the Minotaur. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Wow. And speaking of one of the hugs, I was wondering if we were going to get a recall of a line that I loved from the first episode when Sally is all wet from the rain and hugs Mm. Percy. He goes, I'm all wet now. (laughs) And I was wondering (laughs) if Annabeth was going to do that and then go, I'm all wet now. Or Percy go, you're all wet now. (laughs) So something that Kelly, who did watch this with us, pointed out is that at this point in the show, they were playing clarinets. (laughs) Kelly, who played the clarinet, always, anytime we're watching anything with a clarinet, she will just point out whenever a clarinet is being played. So for the clarinet people out there, we see you. (laughs) And then as our trio talks a little bit, Percy mentions a bit of a change that one, they got to go directly to Santa Monica, Mm -hmm. which I believe he did learn from Nereid. I believe like Santa Monica as a destination was something. But I think the change here is that he says Poseidon's going to help us. Yeah, yeah, that was the change because in the book, Well, also from episode four, Mm -hmm. I think in the book, he was like praying to his father to be like, save me. Correct. In the TV show, he's like, I have no faith in my dad. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm accepting death. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting that now Poseidon's helpful. Yeah. Because before it was more like, yeah, this is just how things are. But now Poseidon's decided to help. Yeah. Seems fishy to me. Oh, fishy. (laughs) I am (laughs) intrigued to see how they do the Poseidon relationship. This Mm -hmm. is, I think, the biggest we got to let all eight episodes come out before we can really judge it because there's so many things it could be. Did he like the Medusa head thing and now he's helping or did he feel bad about something else? Like, what did he see? What did he know? All these sorts of things. So I think that I'm just going to see how they do it and then make more commentary about it. But I do like the parallels or I guess the perpendiculars of (laughs) Annabeth respecting her mother and kind of slowly questioning it. And then Percy is the flip where he was all angry at Poseidon the whole time. And now he's like, oh, okay, he is kind of helpful. Yeah, he's like slowly understanding the nuances of the Greek family life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then they are deciding that they need to leave because Grover, who does name drop Amtrak specifically, (laughs) which I loved, he says specifically that the cops thought they crashed an Amtrak train and then did this as he points to the burning arch. So then Percy points out, well, that's going to make it hard for us to get on any sort of mode of transportation (laughs) that involves a ticket. And then it cut to bird's eye view of them just walking. (laughs) So funny. So funny. Just walking through, you know, and smartly, they were walking on the left side of the road, which is what you are supposed to do. If you're walking, you're supposed to go on the left side of the road so that you can see cars and cars can see you. If you're biking, you're supposed to go with the traffic. So for any any kids out there ever decide to hitchhike, I guess. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. I not even just that just if you have to walk on a shoulder but what i was thinking when i was first watching this was oh they're not going to do the smelly game on the tv thing because in the book we have the reporters and all of that and i was like wow they're not going to do that and and that kind of went aligned with my theory both based on how the show went and then also talking to john steinberg something that he had said in the interviews i did with him was 
I wanted to make Smelly Gabe not as bad because I wanted us to understand a little bit more and like Sally more and not be like, what is Sally doing mm-hmm. with this person? Yeah. I think that's another thing of just like in the book, you can explain more mm-hmm. and in the show, you got to do it quicker. So I was thinking, okay, they made Smelly Gabe nicer. If he's not here, then he's not going to be like full-fledged Smelly Gabe. They're not going to kill him at the end. With him doing this, I still don't know that they're going to kill him at the end, but it's at least like back on the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Smelly Gabe death <laughs> is back on the table, which I'm conflicted about. Or at least, you know, mysterious disappearance. He's in witness protection. Who yeah, knows? There's, it'll, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with Smelly Gabe. And I... I'm a fan of the murdering of Smelly Gabe because I recognize it's a fiction book, but then I understand <laughs> from the like, it is murder, yeah. <laughs> the why Rick might want to take it out. But you know, there's a lot of murder in Greek mythology. Yeah, you know, usually it's like not just humans, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see what happens. So at this point I was thinking, oh wow, no Gabe, but we will see that that will change. Percy, as they're walking, just a really funny like, I think this quest might be harder than we thought. And then he goes on and on about how like it's deeper and there's more twists and turns and there might be other people. He's like having his light bulb moment. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, I'm the last one to realize this, aren't I? And then they just have to like, tell him. Yeah, thank yeah. You, thank you, Captain Obvious. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thank you for joining the quest, Percy. Yeah, you've read the lines, not even between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is something, I don't know if it's just because I watched the first two episodes and then I met Walker in person and all of that. Is it just me or does he look older in this episode as compared to the stuff at camp? He does. Okay. Definitely for sure. I don't know the full filming timeline. It would make sense that they did some of the camp stuff earlier on and then everything else later, but he feels noticeably older mm-hmm. in this episode than in the first couple. Of course, he's not going to like age months in <laughs> a couple of days, but I'm intrigued to see how he looks by the end of episode eight <laughs> because <laughs> just by nature of the strikes and mm-hmm. season two still not being renewed and all that kind of stuff. I don't know when they're going to get to filming again. Are they going to do stuff to make them look younger? Like I'm sure they can do stuff with hair and maybe makeup and all of that, but I don't know. He's growing both in age and like literally he's taller Mm -hmm. than some of the people now. (laughs) So it'll be interesting. But yeah, okay. I'm glad I wasn't, you know, losing my eyesight or perspective. Especially between four and five, there was a bigger jump than there was between like two and three. That's what I felt. That's what I felt. And I don't know. I mean, maybe at some point I'll get to talk to people and know like the exact filming timeline of it. What I've seen on social media is that it was it was nine months total and they filmed out of order. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it was location based because... This stuff feels like it was probably filmed in the U.S. as opposed to Canada. I don't know if they also did this walking along the road scene in St. Louis or somewhere else, maybe L.A. area because of film studios or whatever. Mm -hmm. Again, I will talk with Johnny if the sides (laughs) of the roads look legit because I've watched some movies. There was a movie that was supposed to take place in Texas and they're on like a country road in the middle of Texas. And then there's mountains in the background. I'm like, what are you? (laughs) The mountains of Texas. Yeah, it's like, wow, you've clearly filmed this in California. (laughs) Come on. I am really hoping. Disney, if you're listening, do mm-hmm. a double renewal. Books two and three take place within six months of each other. You're, so that is my. It would be more efficient yes. in all aspects, mm-hmm. and fans would love it. Yes, that was my theory. I've been talking to people, not on the podcast, just like casually, and I think that 
they will do that to make up for the like weird timeline shift mm-hmm. that happened with the strike and everything. I think they're going to film two and three at the same time and maybe be a longer overall process. But yeah, I think they're going to want to do that to like get on track or get mm-hmm. back on track, so to speak. So I think they will probably do that from many perspectives. But then also, can they do that with the kids and yeah. all of that? But like now some of the kids are going to be turning 18. Like mm-hmm. Dior, at least was 17 at the time we recorded our interview, I think Charlie's also 70. So like I maybe think Charlie's over 18. Oh, now. okay. So yeah. now okay. So maybe some of the people will be in easier filming situations. Uh, maybe they would cast a Thalia who is like just turned 18. <laughs> Who's to say? We'll see what happens. But anyway, they are walking along the road and Percy is still shocked that his dad helped so this is more of him as we said getting to like him a little bit more and then they hear what they think is a car but then annabeth points out it's a bike and i was like oh right because they have that clip from the trailer like this is going to be aries then they are hiding behind like a little cement shoulder barrier yeah i think those are called jersey barriers and they are over on the side of that crouching and talking and percy picks up that annabeth is being weird and this i think is a very minute thing that i always picked up in the books we we get this in this episode of Percy and Annabeth in the books were never afraid to ask each other difficult questions. Mm, yeah. And I always really appreciated that. And I'm glad that that has found its way through. So mm-hmm. Percy asks Annabeth, why are you being weird again? You know, I mm-hmm. thought we had gotten over that. And then he goes, oh, I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you don't have to be weird about us hugging. It's okay. We can be friends. <laughs> uh-huh. And I put in my notes, oh, he thinks it's the hug and not the jealousy. Because I thought it was. Yeah, Anna- the parents. Mm-hmm. like. She's literally at her mother's temple. Yes. Not only is she refusing to help her, sending a monster after her. Yes. And then Percy gets saved by his father, who has never shown up once. Right. That's exactly what I thought it was. But no, it's because Annabeth saw the fates. And this is, I'm glad this has worked from TV show and also for me for the books where I will read something and then two pages later be like, oh, right. Yeah. And there was this like three minutes ago we saw the fates and I was like, oh, right. The fates were in this episode. <laughs> so that's my brain being the same. So she's worried about the fates and they do a really good explainer where you kind of split the explanation between Grover and Annabeth to say that it means someone is going to die soon. And then Ares shows up on the bike. And thank goodness it is not exactly the same as described in the books where it was like a human skin hide (laughs) thing. I'm glad it was just a motorcycle. That was (laughs) nice to see. His leather coat looked great. The leather coat is really good. It's really good. It's nice and long. It's like perfectly ratty. It was draped across the back. It looked beautiful. It looks really good. This is something where I had said because... Tish Monahan, the costume designer, I was only allowed to talk to her for 10 minutes with the interview. <laughs> I could have talked to her for five hours. And I don't know if I'll get to talk to her again, but had I seen episode five before our interview, I for sure would have asked her about this coat because it's oh, it's fantastic. It's so good. It just looks correct. Like yeah. it's the right style. It looks just the right amount of ratty, but not too ratty or like Aries likes it and wears it a lot, mm-hmm. but still cares about it. Like it's worn, mm-hmm. but not like beat up. Oh, it's really, really good. And the other thing that's really, really good is the way this is shot. Just the angle of him on the bike looking mm-hmm. very casual and cool <laughs> and the three of them just yeah, poking just popping up. their heads up. Like, Hello. <laughs> like little meerkats. We don't mean to bother you. <laughs> you can only see their eyes. Oh, it's so funny. And basically, Aries is like, do you need help? And Grover's like, no, we're okay. Grover was so formal in this exchange. <laughs> He's like, Beg pardon? Beg pardon. (laughs) Not even saying beg your pardon. Beg pardon. Wild. But then also, after he turns it down, he says, appreciate you asking, though. So long. (laughs) 
he's a little old man. Uh, he's so good. Well, look, as he states in this episode, he's 24. Yeah, which is the age I just turned. <laughs> Congrats. You did it. You're as old as Alexandra Daddario was oh, in the wow. first movie when she was wow. supposed to be question mark age. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Six. Yeah, because, yeah, I think 16, because in the second one, they say you're going to turn 20. So if you're adding four years, so maybe she's 15, 16, but she was 24. (laughs) (laughs) Wild stuff. Anyway, we then get the first drop of wise to describe either Athena or Annabeth, because Annabeth is the first one to pick up that Ares is Ares, because he says something about cousins. And then... Aerie says to her, oh, you must be Athena's kid, always trying to be the wisest one in the bunch. And I was like, oh, wise girl. Ugh. I also forgot about the whole cousins thing. Yeah, I like it better when we have old person and young person saying cousins. I hope we never get what we got in the Sea of Monsters movie where Luke goes, what's up, cousin? And then two seconds later goes, you look good. <laughs> yeah, get ready for the movie. Two episodes coming out oh. after this. Yay, we. So... Then Aerie says, there's a diner, meet me at the diner. And a good cousin line that I did enjoy was that Percy says, that's my cousin? What kind of family (laughs) is this? It's really good. Now, here we get some changes that I think are nice. We're getting a bit of the modernization of the show. We had the Zach Wilson jersey, which did prove, and I've got to say it on the microphone (laughs) now, that I did on social media that blew up on Instagram Reels, is that that Jersey and all of the timeline of things <laughs> proves that the New York Knicks are in the NBA Finals. <laughs> oh, it makes well, me so also, happy. This show has to take place in fictional 2024 because the Olivia Rodrigo song that Sally's yes. listening to in the first episode came out this. Oh my God, it's not even this year anymore. Uh huh. Yeah, last I know. year. <laughs> the time has passed. So he, yes, I'm. I'm glad to have you, someone who's young enough to uh, understand <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo, not Migo. Oh, Paramore Jr.? Uh, But (laughs) I think she's fine. I'm just joking. But the song when she's out there, because some people Mm -hmm. pointed that in the comments of this thing, the reel that I made, the song that's out there, is she actually like listening to something on a speaker or was it just played in the scene? Because my interpretation was that it was just like a song in the background of the TV show. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I didn't even know that word. I I haven't been to film school. (laughs) I forget which one is which. It's diegetic and non-diegetic. One of them means it's in the world of the okay. TV show, movie, whatever. Diegetic and, feels like in the word. Okay, world. yeah, I think, yeah. And then non-diegetic is like scores, like stuff added for so dramatic effect. That's this what one I was like was. in the scene. She was listening to it like on the balcony. Like, do, is there a speaker out there or something? I don't know, but it doesn't sound like oh. when it's like a score because it, oh, it sounded like... far away. There was enough room ambiance where it like... Mm, okay. Yeah, I'm going to get too technical, but... <laughs> no, I love it. This, this no, is why like, I get so, this on the show. Um, I feel like in when they were filming it, they weren't playing it. Okay. But I think they added it in with like fake room ambiance in like post production or whatever sure. to make it feel like it was in the scene of the world because I am less familiar with this song. It's not one of the ones I listen to a lot, but people were saying that it makes so much sense that this is the song she's listening to because I think it's about like feeling like you were manipulated in a relationship. People oh. were like, ooh, she's thinking of reflecting about like her relationship with Poseidon, especially after like she got the call from Grover and Chiron about what happened with Percy at school because they told her the real story, not the fake lie they told Percy. Okay. And people were like, this makes so much sense. Uh-huh. And especially with the stuff that Medusa brought up in episode three of like, uh-huh. I was like your mother the way I was treated by Poseidon, Mm -hmm. I was kind of manipulated. So Mm -hmm. people were like, that's so interesting how she's reflecting on this too. And like, yeah, all that. I like that a lot. 
And I also think it is a pull to try to get Olivia Rodrigo to release the tapes. Yes! <laughs> give us... The songs she wrote when she was in middle school about give, Percy Jackson. <laughs> give us the cringe. She tweeted about this. We talked about this in the Dior interview that I did. <laughs> but she had once tweeted that she wrote a bunch of cringe Percy Jackson songs. They got to get her in. I think it would be really fun. So I think it's probably a play in multiple I feel directions. like if for season two or three or whatever, if they have people write songs like they do for like, you know, Hunger Games and Barbie and stuff, they should get her to write a song Mm -hmm. for the show. They should. Because she's good at it. The Hunger Games song, I haven't seen the movie, but the song's good. Uh, Look, get it and let's make it happen. I think that'd be great. And then I can, you know, learn to appreciate Olivia Rodrigo more because all I really know is brutal because they had the thing where, like, she had the legal thing where she had to, like, give writing credit to Paramore for some things. But then for, they tried to do that for Brutal because the chord progression sounded exactly like Elvis Costello's Pump It Up, which is a song that I do know. But they interviewed Elvis Costello about it. And he's just, like, this rock dude from the 70s and 80s. And he was like, yeah, that's what music is. I don't give a (laughs) damn. (laughs) There are only so many chords. That's literally what he said. He was like, there's only so much you can do. We've all done it all. I don't care. Rock and roll is just changing <laughs> stuff and flipping it. That's what I did for older musicians. I don't care. So that is like the coolest response ever. Shout out to Elvis Costello. And shout out to Olivia Rodrigo. Come yeah, in the pod. We'll talk the, about music and your cringe songs. second album. No skip album. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't really know. No, I'm not like oh, deep in the Olivia Rodrigo fandom sure. base. But I will say I was not the biggest fan of her first album. The okay. second album loved it absolutely loved it good that's great I've not listened to it but that's okay my no skip album choice I always pick is Dookie by Green Day one of the Mm. few where I don't want to skip literally anything even like Sgt. Pepper you have to skip like is that the Maxwell's Hammer song there's like one (laughs) bad one on Sgt. Pepper and it's so close anyway Percy Jackson so what started this tirade of us talking about Olivia Rodrigo and music and everything oh modernization of stuff because (laughs) according to the show the Nick are in the NBA Finals yeah. because <laughs> with the Zach Wilson jersey, we know it has to be later than 2021. And they're talking about going to listen to the Knicks game. And because it's the summer solstice, mm-hmm. that means that that's June 20th. You go a week earlier, the NBA Finals start like June 12th-ish. So that means the Knicks are in the NBA Finals. I love it. And I made this Instagram reel, which is fun because it blew up on PJO. Instagram algorithms, but then also NBA algorithms. The PJO comments, everyone is very nice. The NBA (laughs) comments, everyone is making fun of how I look. (laughs) And I am just hiding every comment. It's bringing me back to my YouTube origins where people would just make fun of how I looked all of the time. And, you know, all these people are trying to say these things. It's like, I have been molded by the fire of YouTube (laughs) comment sections. Nothing you say can hurt me. Nothing is more brutal than a YouTube comment section. Yeah, YouTube comment section where I started making videos when I was 17. You don't think my self-esteem has already been turned to obsidian like i am (laughs) rock solid you cannot get me with very i've the list of jokes about how long my face is my face is longer than that like you can't make fun (laughs) of my face being long i am undefeatable and i'm just hiding everything so i will say pjo general population nicer than the general nba fan but i am appreciative to the random knicks fan who's like oh cool and there was like one person who was like okay this put me over the edge i'm gonna listen to your podcast i was like let's go But anyway. Also, but, shout out to my sister. Yes. She started listening to TNO recently with the TV show dropping. Let's go. Yes. Shout out to anyone who has done that. And also, if anyone is like watching the show and this is like your first time listening to the show, I retroactively apologize for just being like spoiler bound for like, yeah, an episode eight. Like I never, I didn't think to warn people at the beginning that like these episodes are going to be like 
PJO spoiler town. Like mm. I've been talking about Kronos and book other stuff. So that's going to happen. I apologize if, you know, you wanted to watch the show and then listen to this and then still not be spoiled. Anyway, let's talk about Percy Jackson some more. So <laughs> we have the modernization, which is Ares on his phone, and he's starting a fight on Twitter, which I think is a great way to like modernize mm-hmm. the God of War and not make it like obviously there are still wars that we mm-hmm. have going on in the world, but I feel like trying to avoid a political statement makes sense for a show and specifically a Disney show. Mm-hmm. So I understand why they would make this decision, but it does make me wonder because Rick famously left Twitter after all of the Elon <laughs> Musk stuff, which I wish I had the luxury to do, but <laughs> Twitter does help a lot of people find my show, so I do have to use it. But I wonder, was part of the calculus that he was mad that Elon Musk changed the name to X and thus made this episode (laughs) technically incorrect in terms of when it was released? I wonder if that was like a little tiny factor of like, Mm. grumble, grumble, this one line in episode five is going to be technically wrong. And now the show (laughs) is dated, blah, blah, blah. But no one calls it X. No one does. I think in a TikTok video or something, I saw someone saying, so I was scrolling on X. I was like, no. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. I don't even, I don't even like when people call it X formerly. Twitter, which like I get that news publications have to do. Mm -hmm. And also what's really interesting is that Google officially calls it X formerly Twitter. (laughs) If you like search for something, for example, like a Google image and it's from Twitter, Mm. the like link thing that the website decides says X underneath, but then the Google thing where they kind of like title mm-hmm. what the website is says X and then in parentheses, formerly Twitter. Like that's, that's going to be a bad sign when Google is uh, deciding that your name is still not actually your mm-hmm. name. But yeah, no, no one call it X. Just call it Twitter. It's Twitter. It's like anything we can do to reduce yeah, the Don't Musk's find power. anyone on X. Find them on Twitter. Yeah, of course. So he's starting a fight on Twitter. And then the other well, thing. Also, the shot of when they see Aries in the diner and he's just laughing to himself with this massive pile of cheeseburgers. That is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> so good. It's good. I thought they were going to do a shot of him like having a conversation with no one mm-hmm. because that's how excited he is about this Twitter war he started. <laughs> uh, it was great. And I knew, I just knew Edge was going to be perfect from the moment they announced him as the casting decision. But then also at New York Comic Con, they spoke really highly of him. And the suit that he was wearing at the premiere was really good. I was Mm -hmm. like, this guy's going to be perfect. And he just truly is. He's so funny. He looks the part. He acts the part. He sounds the part. It's... Gosh, it's just mm-hmm. so good all around. All of the food is so funny. It was great when he, I saw all of the cheeseburgers and fries. I was like, this is either just Aries' lunch and he's not mm-hmm. sharing it or <laughs> he has bought enough for them all to eat and it could go either way and that's what makes mm-hmm. it perfect. Also, I'm glad they did not do CGI with fire in his eyes. Yeah. That would have been a little gimmicky, mm-hmm. but his stare, I could mm-hmm. feel the flames. Yeah. You don't need to do CGI flames when you have edges expressive Mm -hmm. face like if there's anything that a wrestler is going to be able to do it's deliver an evil stare down so yeah i think the show has made a really smart decision of trying to avoid using cheesy looking cgi Mm -hmm. when they can and i think this was a really good call so then we do get the surprise at least to me he pulls up on his phone the smelly gabe news thing which does track and make sense so now back on the table is smelly gabe murder (laughs) the smelly gabe thing is so funny though because we get the camaro thing where one of his quotes is i really we really love that car he's so funny it's great and then i love how angry percy gets at it Mm -hmm. percy says i'm gonna kill him and then aries goes i knew i was gonna like you (laughs) oh man man it's really fun 
And then what's also really fun is how sassy Annabeth is towards Ares. Yes. It's really good, especially if you know the mythology of Athena and Ares butting heads. It would make sense mm-hmm. that Annabeth would already have a bit of a grudge against him, mm-hmm. but then also when he's being a little rude and stuff, she's going to push back. Yeah. I really enjoy I it. I also like that Percy's rubbing off on Annabeth in this mm. episode. You can feel her being a little more impertinent mm-hmm. and having more sass, where before she was more reserved and yeah. was very like diplomatic in how she handled situations. Right. I think it's good. I think it's good both from a character perspective and then also like Leah as an actor perspective mm-hmm. because she has huge range. She does. And I think she's doing I don't I don't know if it's just like and also she's a kid. So like any criticism I have to like, who cares? But I don't know if it was either acting ability or just like the way they're trying to make her cold for the show or the what they've decided or what the directing is like, whatever it is. I think in this episode, she's just knocking it out of the park Mm -hmm. and her face is so expressive. Like here, you can tell she's just so over Aries. Later in the Tunnel of Love stuff with Hephaestus and with Percy in the chair and everything, Mm -hmm. like she looks so concerned and distraught. Like Leah in this episode is really good. Always see her calculating. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really coming and she's really coming into her own, whether that is like the character, like you're saying with Percy rubbing off on her or just like Leah getting the groove, whatever it is. Now it's like, okay. I have a lot of confidence and faith in her and I see why they cast her like it's great. It's really, really solid. So we also in this conversation get the first reference of Kronos when Ares Mm -hmm. is giving a little bit of a backstory about how the family dynamic works. That's where he says and this is a perfect like it works in casually, but also does a good job yeah. of telling you how it works. He's like, you know, my, you know, Kronos ate my siblings and yeah, Zeus my had to get him out. So. I think that it is absolutely perfect how they've done this because in the book we get kind of the chrono stuff, but it's like really early on from Chiron. Yeah. It's supposed to be so early that you forget, or at least I forgot, <laughs> when it comes into play that Chronos is actually going to be the big bad. But now in this case, you can have the difference of, oh, it's that offhanded comment that Ares yeah. made. That's what you're supposed to put together. So again, I think it's just a great example of like same kind of effect done in a different way, Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense. We hear it from a different person. I actually feel like it makes more sense because Ares is the war guy Mm -hmm. talking about like fighting within his family. Yeah. Our family's about war. Yeah. They do a really good job of really expanding the definition of war with Mm -hmm. Ares. Short of them like literally playing war with cards. (laughs) We've got a Twitter fight. Grover and him talk about literal wars. He's talking about arguments with the family like the whole dynamic is there any sort of interpretation of war is there so i mm-hmm. really like how they've done that then there i just i just have in my notes god edge is so good and then annabeth's <laughs> eyebrow raise so like, those yes! are just back-to-back notes I have. <laughs> the subtle eyebrow raises that leah's doing mm-hmm. so good so good. They're really good. She has a wonderfully expressive face. And as a expressive face person, but usually for me, it's not acting. Usually it's <laughs> I'm in an improv show that I'm not enjoying and I can't <laughs> hide that I'm not enjoying it. I feel seen by her expressive face. Now, here's where we also get something very different because Ares lays down the whole get my shield thing in Waterland. But he says he's going to keep Grover back as collateral. He wants the two of them mm-hmm. to go and Grover to stay behind. And before we recorded, you, me, and Kelly were trying to like refresh ourselves about mm-hmm. what 
actually happened in the book and without reading it and everything <laughs> <laughs> look time is of the essence so i gotta get to editing this <laughs> we had remembered like they all go but then grover's running the controls yeah, for the water in the book there was no water running so grover had to man the like water pumps or whatever so he's not like in the thing but he's there so the grover staying behind thing at first i was like okay like let's see where they go with this and i love i love the where they grover went with this. aries conversations were so funny so good so interesting. And Arian I think so it shows more of Grover as a protector. Yes. He's trying to get information about everything. Mm-hmm. He's not just kind of the sidekick that's funny. Yes, which is the biggest problem. Not the biggest. I, every problem is tied for first place with the movies. But in the movies, <laughs> we don't get like smart Grover. We don't get protector Grover. We don't get Grover like having knowledge about the greater right. world. And he's 24. <laughs> he should have more knowledge. Yeah. So I like that in the show, Grover is taking the shape of. He knows some more stuff. Him and Annabeth together mm-hmm. are filling in Percy's blanks that Percy kind of got by going to class after class and having mm-hmm. training after training. They're doing a really good job of it. And I really, really, really enjoy it. So I did write my notes in all caps. Are they going to get the dodgeball? But <laughs> <laughs> the two of them go on and Ares and Grover stay behind. And when they get to Waterland, Percy makes a joke about how, oh, I haven't seen a lot of horror movies, but this kind of feels like the place you would avoid. And then Annabeth mentions that she's never seen any movies before, which I get that she is the Greek thing and all of that. But also, like, how did her parents, like, never show her one film? Like, I feel yeah. like I was three when I saw my first movie. Yeah. Like, there's no, they didn't pop I, on yeah, Toy Story. Come on. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Annabeth went to normal school, yeah. presumably, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. They never had a movie day where they just put everyone in the auditorium and just put a movie on? They, yeah. But no, none of her teachers had a hangover once. <laughs> Come on. That was a wild thing I learned as an adult. Was yeah, like, wow. Like, when I, teachers don't want to do work, they yeah. just, let's put on a movie today. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, my teacher has had a hangover a couple of times. Good for them. So Percy then kind of casually asks her on a movie date, which yeah. I like. I think they're doing a good job because... Planting the seeds. Yes, because I think it, when you realize like the whole Persebeth, which is confirmed pronounced Persebeth, because in the roundtable that we did with Rick and Becky, he pronounced it Persebeth, not Perkabeth. So anyone who does Perkabeth, you are incorrect. It's not Perky Jackson, but... <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really bad. That sounds like the name of a squirrel. Uh, yeah, it also sounds like a name of if they make like a crude, like, yeah. yeah ugh, but it is Persebeth. The Persebeth thing, they like don't really get into like crush territory until much later on. They feel like book four. Yeah, book four is like where the first kiss happens. Yeah. I feel like it's not until like they're on the sea of monsters that you kind of get a little bit of, oh, yeah. yeah. But so like you're just getting like cute little seeds. And I think they're doing it right here. And I'm excited for the slow burn of that relationship because mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it really fun. So that he kind of casually, yeah, it's a classic friends and lovers, kind of casually asks her on this. It's fun. And then they start to go in and then there's this weird gear trap. Mm -hmm. And this might be a very specific reference, but have you ever heard of the restaurant that used to be in New York and tragically isn't here anymore? Jekyll and Hyde? No. So, man, in the late 90s and early 2000s, (laughs) there were these restaurants that were like gimmicky where the food was bad, but they had all of these like expensive either decorations or actors and stuff like that. There were a couple in New York. One was Mars 2112, where it was all like space themed. And then there was this one called Jekyll and Hyde, where this multiple floor restaurant where people would dress up as all these sorts of characters from those sorts of books like Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. And it was like a fun, goofy, interactive. They had like creepy stuff in the restaurant, but then also like actors Mm -hmm. would do stuff and there'd be like 
those things where there's like masks on the wall and then they talk mm. to you because they have the camera and they're like, oh, nice hat, table six, okay. ha, ha, stuff like that. But when you would go in, you would get into this lobby area and then like the crypt keeper from that like old TV mm. show, the withered dude would like come on and say like, oh, blah, it's a trap. <laughs> and there would be like spikes that showed up from the ceiling oh. and it looked like the ceiling was going to crush you and then you would just go in he'd be like oh just kidding ha 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 come on in that's exactly what this felt like <laughs> where it was like oh creepy gear thing it's going to get you but it's just supposed to like scare you mm. also I used to realize I was like 9 or 10 when I went and I realized how I shouldn't be afraid of that it was in that thing with the spikes there was a like a light on a sconce and like they're not going to break the light <laughs> like I'm going to be safe but anyway that is what this reminded me of it's just a celestial bronze thing that could like maybe look like it was going to chop them up but it doesn't Annabeth puts it all together and then this is her way of explaining the celestial bronze stuff so far mm -hmm. which we haven't got the explanation yeah. yet so again I think this is a really cool example of like it's almost like they have a practical knowledge Correct. where once they encounter it, it's like, OK, now I can explain this to you. It's not like here's an exposition of everything Greek. Yeah. Now let's go on our journey. I would be so interested to see how they did it. Like, I wonder if they did a whole big storyboard and then they had a big column of like the things Percy has to learn. <laughs> and then they write the whole story and then they were like, oh, OK, yeah, put this when they do that mm -hmm. and put this when they do that. I think it's really creative. And it does beg the question. This was one that I wanted to ask Rick and Becky, but they didn't get to my question about this in the roundtable. So I'll have to do it when I get them back on the pod. But Nectar and Ambrosia have not shown up yet. They yeah, I was wondering because when they were splashing Percy in the fountain in the previous episode, I was like, couldn't they just pour some nectar into the wound? Right. But they didn't bring nectar when they gave him supplies to first go on the quest. Ares, when he gives them the backpack here, doesn't have nectar or ambrosia either. So are they just going to not introduce it at all at this yeah. point? Like, it's not a Ooh, huge maybe deal. Maybe Hermes introduces it next Ooh, episode. That's possible. That's also a big change. Yeah, right? That's Who's who's to say? But I, I really enjoyed this explanation of or the celestial bronze. Or maybe that's Poseidon's hope. Oh, oh no. Nah, <laughs> I think he's still going to give the pearls. And Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. And they're going to do it properly. Oh, right, because Nereid gives them to Percy in the book. Right, yeah. Don't they get the pearls from Nereid? Yeah. Is it in Santa Monica again? No. Or is it... Oh, wait. Because does she show up twice? Does she show him and give him the pearls in Santa Monica? Or she, I don't know that she gives them to him in St. Louis. I kind of feel like she shows up twice. Remember. But I know it's her that gives them to Correct. Percy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. But regardless, I think this is a really cool way to explain the whole Celestial Bronze thing. And it was also really funny because while Percy is stuck, yeah. or at least staying still, <laughs> Annabeth starts to be like, oh, it's Celestial Bronze. He goes, oh, fascinating, Annabeth. What's going on? <laughs> so good. And then so when good. she was like, just hold on, give me a second. It might kill us. <laughs> He's like, so, you know. Oh, and then she's like, just push it. And he's like, so, you know, earlier in this episode when you were like, one of us is going to die very soon. Is it's, this now? <laughs> their dynamic is really at the perfect point here. And I knew that by the end of episode four that this was going to happen. And I'm just so glad that they have absolutely nailed it. I have such confidence for their dynamic over the course of the mm -hmm. season and the whole show. I feel like this episode was really going to be the like make or break of the yeah. Persebeth dynamic and they knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. So solid. So we learn then that Hephaestus built this amusement park, which I think is a fun change as opposed to him just like rigging up one ride yeah. for a prank basically and Percy then asks why would he build an amusement park and Annabeth <laughs> says maybe he finds them amusing he says that's not funny Annabeth and she goes it's a little funny oh, just is, the chemistry is, a funny. <laughs> is there it's great 
That's when Percy checks about the death premonition that they just had <laughs> earlier. He pushes through, and then they are in Waterland. I think this is a good breaking point for the lightning brief as we talk about updates with the pod, such as our live shows that we've got going on and the merchandise being restocked and fun stuff we're doing on the Patreon. And then we'll be back for the rest of the episode. Hello and welcome to The Lightning Brief. It's not just brief in terms of briefing you on things this time. I'm also going to keep it brief because I am putting the finishing touches on this episode. I've been working on it ever since we recorded and I just want to get it out there as quickly as we can. So I'll just do some quick updates here and I can do more updates during our next bonus interview episode, which will be coming on Monday that I'm very excited about. But just a couple of things here. First, you may have heard some weird staticky noises in the first portion of this episode. There was an issue with the cable that was plugged into my computer when we recorded. I've done all that I can to try and get rid of those noises. So if you are hearing those, it's not just your ears. It's not your headphones. It is my microphone cable that we used, but I tried to do my best. Hopefully it's not too distracting. I apologize. Second, later in this episode, we will talk about the show using Seaweed Brain and it being the first use of Seaweed Brain. And then I say something about how it's not actually the first Seaweed Brain quote from the book. And then I try to quote what is the first use of Seaweed Brain in the book. And instead, I say like the third use of Seaweed Brain in the book. So I ended up editing down that discussion since most of it was incorrect. But I'm aware that that was the wrong quote. And maybe we'll discuss it in the future. But the points I left in still stand. I apologize. And you may be aware that we've got some live shows coming up in the near future. We have three Florida shows in February. We've got North Carolina shows in March. We have a Phoenix show on February 20th. And then we also have a Denver show on February 18th. And at the time of recording, there's like 15 tickets left. So if you're considering going to that show and you want to get tickets before they sell out, I would say go to the slash live ASAP so you can get those tickets before we sell out, which is looking like it's going to happen. And if you want to get tickets to any of the other shows, you can also go to the slash live. Also, I am happy to say that for the rest of the episodes about the TV show, we will be able to get those up sometime on Wednesday after the TV show episode releases Tuesday night. So that should be the case. This one, we were close to making that happen. But for the final ones going forward, that shouldn't be an issue. And there will be some other interviews coming through. I've got stuff in the works. I am very thankful to all the folks who are supporting the show on Patreon. I really do appreciate it. It makes my life really nice in that I can have some sort of steady income because the other things that come along with my job, whether that is advertising or live shows or merch sales or whatever, all that stuff is all over the place. But having the steady stuff from Patreon really does help. And I thank you all so much. And it's so fun interacting with the Patreon community on the Discord and on Patreon and on social media as well, recognizing the names and usernames and stuff. It's all super fun. Thank you all so much. I'm going to do the proper thanking the folks who have joined recently on our next episode, the Monday interview episode. But I do want to give a belated shout out to that damn tree who joined a while ago and somehow I just mixed in the shuffle. And if I've missed your shout out in the shuffle, please shoot me a message on Patreon and I will make sure that I say it. And if you're all caught up on the newest Olympian and you are looking for new content to consume, I make a whole bunch of podcasts and not only do I make podcasts, but I also do some other fun stuff. One of the other things that I do that is fun on a bi-weekly basis, meaning every other week, is I do a D&D stream with some other podcasters called 20 to Midnight. We are trying to save the world in a race against the clock and I play a bard and it's been really fun and it's my first true foray into D&D. It has been a blast. You can watch our YouTube replays if you search for 20 to Midnight, so 20 
T-O, midnight. Or you can watch our streams on Twitch. You can learn all about the show on our website, 22midnight.com, 20to-midnight.com. And before I wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me and others of them won't. The ones that aren't read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in my apartment area, don't be surprised if you hear an ad for wanting to get some sleep. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This episode of The Newest Olympian is brought to you by Factor. Now, the TV show just dropped. And depending on your time zone, maybe it drops at a particular time when you've just come home from work or school or some other prior engagement and you gotta eat some food before you watch the show. But you don't have a bunch of time to cook, but you still want to get something nice and fresh and delicious. What could you eat? You could eat something from Factor. Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery service that allows you to skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue, and instead get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered directly to your door. If you feel like your lunches are frantic and your dinners are rushed, Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. You can fuel up fast with high-quality meals, and they also now have snack options like breakfast smoothies, juices, snacks, and more. I got a box from Factor, and there were a lot of very tasty things in them. For sometimes when it was super-duper quick, I just threw them in the microwave. When I had a little bit more time, put them into a baking dish and put them in the oven, and both were very tasty. I really enjoyed the chipotle rubbed pork chop that came with roasted cabbage and red bell pepper fondue. I also really enjoyed the Caribbean spiced tofu that came with black beans, rice, mango salsa, and coconut jerk sauce. And maybe you have new dietary goals in 2024, and Factor can help you. Some of the offerings they have include Protein Plus or keto-friendly meals. If you're interested, head to factormeals.com slash olympianstar50 and use code olympianstar50 to get 50% off. That's code olympianstar50 at factormeals.com slash olympianstar50 to get 50% off. So check it out, get those meals, and heat them and eat them quickly as you get ready to watch a new episode of The Percy Jackson Show today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So we're back, and then the scene cuts to Grover talking to Ares, and we get the return of Grover saying he's 24. Mm -hmm. This is something that I also missed in the first episodes. It's funny. This is, I think, the first time I've had this dynamic. Because I am covering something in real time and not something that is, you know, that most people who are listening to the show read years and years Mm -hmm. ago, I never really got a lot of flack for, like, either missing details or not picking up on stuff. Every single thing I missed in the first four episodes, people are like, how did you not see Rick in the principal's office? How did you not hear Grover say he was 24 in the TV show? How did you not notice the Olivia Rodrigo songs? Like, I don't listen to Olivia Rodrigo. Like, there were, people have been picking me apart for everything I've missed. So now I'm trying to like say, really make sure I've I didn't miss everything. In general, the show is being picked apart more and more mm-hmm. on social media. I think it's because they're doing the cable model of dropping an episode every week yeah. instead of the streaming all in one drop so everyone right. can speed through it at once. Mm-hmm. And people are forgetting how pacing works. Yeah. This is not a six-part movie as streaming has led us to believe. Correct. I would love it if they, Disney Plus sometimes does like extras mm, of things. Yeah. Like from Up at Christmas Carol, they have the 
television version or whatever without that one song that some people like. And then there's the extended version where you have that really sad song, but you have to like go to Muppet Christmas Carol on Disney Plus and go to extras and then it's like full version. I would love if they did a version of just all the episodes together because it's like not that long. Like, it would be like probably an average of like 30 minutes of content per episode. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about eight episodes, that's like four hours. Like you could do a two hour thing, Mm -hmm. intermission, two hour thing, like. It as one file, yeah. I would love to watch it all in one go. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think people are picking it apart that way. And now I'm trying to pick it apart. What I was doing for the earlier episodes was just kind of like, let's watch it. Let's get on the mic. Boom. Now it's like, all right, let me make sure I watch it and take very diligent notes. <laughs> so I made sure to like really hone in on everything <laughs> for this viewing and for this episode. Because if clearly if I forget something or if I miss something, people are going to call me out. And I'm sure I missed something. Like people are going to be like, oh, did you see Ethan Akamura was eating cheeseburgers in the diner? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Grover says he's 24 because he had said to Aries something about like we've met before and then Aries is like oh, I've met a lot of people little boy and he goes I'm 24 <laughs> and he's like, good for you <laughs> it's funny though that they've mentioned the 24 thing twice without referencing how yeah. satyrs age differently I that's one thing that I feel like people who don't know might be like what yeah <laughs> he looks so like, young okay uh, weird okay is it, guess he, we'll chalk it up to magic yeah or like is he one of those actors who like has a baby face like, where he just <laughs> looks really because this guy does look 24 but then we have this new scene which I absolutely love and it's basically Grover just gassing up Aries yes. as if he's an artist saying that he likes his lesser known material <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love your deep cuts. It's so good. <laughs> he says that he prefers the Turbo War or the, the what was it? The tur- Turbit? Turbit, sorry. Yeah, the Turbit. The Turbo War sounds way cooler. <laughs> it sounds like a Power Rangers war. The Turbit War, the Lobster War. I didn't know that yeah. that existed. I need to do a Wikipedia deep dive on the Lobster War. But this is all sparked from Aries saying, what are you, a World War II buff? And he says this, and he says, I like your mellower stuff. <laughs> and Aries likes it. And he's like, but those are the ones where less people died. And Grover's <laughs> like, yeah, but that's fun. And he makes this reference about how it's like, oh, it's about just like a quick overturning mm-hmm. of the power. It's, it's so creative. Whoever decided this is a genius. Mm-hmm. It is so cool. And it's the perfect way to do this scene, which is Grover, who that's why he wanted to stay back so badly. Mm-hmm. That's why he wants to stay back. He has to win over Aries. How do you win over Aries? you talk about the things and say you like this Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And also, this is a very minor thing, but I have been in conversations throughout my life where I am pretending to enjoy either the person I'm talking to (laughs) or the topic that we are talking about. And there are particular facial expressions and hand motions that go along with that. And Aryan (laughs) does them exactly. The biggest, and I can't do this because it's visual, but I'll try to audibly (laughs) describe it. He does a thing where Aries is saying, I think it's after he's like, thank you, the Athena thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like going on and on. And maybe it was the owl thing or whatever. But Aryan does this thing where he like takes his hand and kind of like brings it up and passes his chin like a, "Mm." Yeah. <laughs> like, like does that without saying anything and that is classic like I see that you think you're right mm-hmm. about something and I will make this hand motion which comes across as you are right as mm-hmm. opposed to what I'm actually thinking which is please stop talking <laughs> <laughs> also the like slow lean in like keep going mm-hmm. the head nod mm-hmm. the eyes uh, he's absolutely nailing I don't want to be in this conversation but I need to for my mm-hmm. benefit I also will say I completely forgot that Athena and Ares were siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always get confused with some of the gods of the like, which ones are siblings? Very confusing. Which one? Yeah. It's just, it's a mess, but yes. It, and it also makes sense of them being butting head siblings yeah. because they're both kind of the war ones. Yeah. But where Athena's one the strategic is the aggression. War. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's why they would have beef. I like it a lot. So 
we go back to Percy and Annabeth, they're talking a little bit more about the Hephaestus stuff, and then they start talking about the Hephaestus and the Aphrodite and the mm-hmm. Aphrodite and Ares, and now this was like a big light bulb moment for me. This is why they had to change. I'm sure there's multiple reasons why they did this, part to make Sally more likable and all of that, but... I think this is also a big reason why they had to change the dynamic of how Percy knows some Greek stuff Mm -hmm. to Sally told him stories all the time Mm -hmm. as opposed to he learned it in class. Yeah. Because there was no time for him to go to class. Like he was at camp (laughs) and then like left the next day basically. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have Percy having more knowledge, which again, as I think is an example, as we've been saying of you're getting to the same answer. It's not the journey. It's the destination. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? It doesn't really matter. It's fine. And that yeah. is why how Percy's like, oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom told me this story. Yeah. I think it's also fun to have Percy not be so naive about everything. Yeah. Because while he still doesn't really understand all the nuances of how to talk to the gods and stuff, he still has an understanding of the world. He just doesn't understand his place in it. Correct. And it's more of him figuring out his place and not what's all this Greek stuff? Yeah. Because that never checked out to me. This is one of the few gripes I had with the book is that he was oblivious, but then he would very specifically be like, but I know the exact story of Medusa. (laughs) He would just randomly be like, I remember this one specific thing from Mr. Bruner's class. Okay, speaking of Mr. Bruner, (laughs) I had someone message me on Instagram that they know the real life Mr. Bruner who inspires the Mr. Bruner in the book, like from Texas or whatever. Oh. But like they know the person because Rick names some people okay. after people. They know the real Mr. Bruner, or like it's a friend of their mom's or something like that. That person spells it B-R-U-N-N-E-R, but pronounces it Bruner. Interesting. So I think this is similar to like a Rick Riordan pronouncing his name wrong, but knowing it, but still <laughs> going with it, or at least going against the traditional pronunciation of Riordan, him saying Riordan. I think he is the one. He is the reason why we have all these oh, Bruners going on. okay. Yeah. It's because, really yeah, interesting. Grammatically, that's just not no, Bruner. But it is, I guess it is Bruner. This will be one of the questions that I ask. Like, I have my long <laughs> list of questions, and I will certainly ask about this. But how did I get around the Mr. Bruner? Oh, the, the classes, right? Gosh, <laughs> tangent town. Here we are. But they are walking through Waterland now, and then they go into the thrill ride, Oh Love, which is great. And I was so surprised by this. And you laughed so, so loudly. good. Oh, my God. <laughs> the needle drop of <laughs> what is love. Uh, so good. This is the 2000 song we've been waiting for. Also, so this good. song, <laughs> I first learned about this at Sleepaway Summer Camp. Okay. So, like, that was like a formative part of my childhood. If anyone knows what CTY is, I digress. Mm-hmm. But this song was like a song they played at all of the dances that we had. Okay. So I was like, oh my God, like, this is summer camp vibes. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the 2000s vibes. So good. Yeah. Now, I believe this song came out in the 90s, but it was very. Prevalent it was continuously popular. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like, still popular. It's like Sandstorm where it like never yeah. truly died. Yeah. Uh, it's stuck around. But the needle drop of it is so funny. It's so funny. I didn't expect it. When they did the needle drop of Arthur's theme, the New York City, I was like, yes, cool. Now we've unlocked needle drops. And this is so funny. And they play it comedically perfectly. And even though like yeah. it's, it's just like a funny quiet and mm-hmm. then blaring what is love uh-huh. it's so abrupt it's so sudden and it is funny and it's a good moment but also 
when you think about it, the lyrics mm-hmm. kind of do work for Hephaestus. Yeah. <laughs> Hephaestus, who has been hurt both physically and emotionally by love slash lack thereof, mm-hmm. he would be the guy to, in his love ride, make the song, What is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me. <laughs> it is so many levels of perfect. Especially Gosh. when you add in the like whole chair thingamajig uh-huh. with Hera. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so funny. Gosh, I was so happy about it. And it's, it's just nice to see like what the particular songs that they're using are that we can now be like, this is a Percy Jackson song. Mm-hmm. And that, oh gosh, so good. It's so good. Also, if you think about it, it's really not just Hephaestus, but the whole demigod-god relationship of like, what is love? Mm. Because you know, Annabeth got hurt. Yes. Even yes. though she was very loving towards her mother and devoted. Yes, very good. So yes, as they go through, there's a projection that tells Hephaestus's story and then they get off, they jump off the boat, they swim through because it looks like it's going to be really bad. And they also, you know, the, the boat, I got to say, like, no harnesses at all, no lap bar, <laughs> nothing. It's just a rickety old rowboat. It's just like a boat. And then it just goes down like a pretty steep looking log flume. Mm-hmm. Disney has just a silver platter of a ride that they right. can add to any of the parks. Just this like rebrand an existing rival, one. It's a small world. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it would be pretty cool. There's going to be so many opportunities for a ride, and they better. But we'll see if they make a ride out of it. They already did turn, like, the Viking ride into Frozen, and I don't know that they're going to get rid of Pirates of the Caribbean, but, like, this could be something. Or maybe, I don't know what the water park is in L.A., but they could add a Percy Jackson section. That's what I was saying. Is I think I had said this on a podcast episode. Like, I love Blizzard Beach, the Florida, like, Mm. snow-themed one, but, like, if you just make it all Percy Jackson-themed, like, Mm -hmm. that would rip. That would be really cool. It would rip Tide. Now... <laughs> or maybe Coney Island could refit some of their rides. That could be pretty cool. But then I guess Disney would have to buy Coney Island. <laughs> they got the money. They can do it. But when they see that the boats are going down like an even scarier drop, they jump out, they swim, and then Percy uses his water powers to save Annabeth. They're talking a little bit, and Annabeth felt like a Pokemon moment. <laughs> oh, just from like using like yeah, water gun like, or something. Piplup, use water cannon or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, Classic. hydro cannon? Hydro pump. Hydro cannon. Hydro pump? Hydro pump at least know. is, if, I'm a 151, so maybe the things you're talking about are real, but for me, my Blastoise had a hydro pump. I don't remember, but as my Emporion my had a lot of good moves. Oh, Vaporeon, so strong. And Wait, really strong Emporion. in Pokemon Go. Oh. Penguin one. Oh. I also had a Vaporeon that had a lot yeah. of good moves. Uh, <laughs> 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 we could be on this for hours, <laughs> but whether it was after or before, at some point, maybe it was when they were on the boat I think it was on the boat, yes. So when they're on the boat before they jump in, Percy's saying like, oh no, my mom wanted to keep me away from you. Maybe she could have done a better job of protecting me. And Annabeth's like, maybe she is doing a good job of preparing you by trying to distance you from all the mess. So like that is the clear thing of Mm -hmm. like Annabeth on the downside of the Olympians, Percy on the upside. And I just really like Annabeth appreciating Sally because I've always liked that she kind of likes Sally and Sally kind of likes her. I've always appreciated that. So I'm glad that that is here too. Also the line where she was like, well, maybe your mom expressly didn't want you to be like us once you met us because she knew it was inevitable. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, 100%. So then Percy does the water power, saves her. She, Annabeth asks, oh, uh, did you use your water power to save me? And he's like, I don't know, I'm just figuring this out as I go, <laughs> which is a very Percy vibe. Now we're back with Grover and Aries, and it's another perfect conversation to tell us something we knew before from Chiron slash Camp. 
they are talking about what happened to the solstice. That is where they met. That's where Aries says, you know, I hate kids. I hate even my kids. Grumble, (laughs) grumble, grumble. And then they're talking about the solstice and the stolen bull and all this stuff. And this whole scene is very much like Grover's cooking. And it just makes me think of the Mm -hmm. meme that shows up on Twitter, like the screen cap of the Riddler in the Batman thing with the does he know? (laughs) Like it was very much that. And Grover kind of leads into Ares getting frustrated about hating Athena. You get the thing where you can't tell if Ares is going to like attack him or mm. be happy, but he smacks the table and then goes, thank you. And yeah. then, you know, appreciates that Grover is recognizing that he is a genius and then has this funny thing of like, why does everyone think she's smart? She just has this owl that she talks to. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Why is she the genius quote? And I, no owl, am not. Oh, <laughs> God. God. Also, I'm so imagining funny. Athena having an owl just perched on her shoulder, like how pirates have parrots. I think she's going to have that now. <laughs> like, I don't know whose cast is Athena. I don't know if Athena's <laughs> going to show up in this season or not until the future, but I think she's going to just have an owl now, like yeah. on her arm or shoulder <laughs> or something. I think she's going to have it. Now, what's very interesting, I was surprised that they did this, but I guess it makes more sense because they haven't like titled this season The Lightning Thief. Grover name drops Lightning Thief. And hopefully they only say it once (laughs) and not six times. But Grover name drops Lightning Thief as his kind of like farthest pushing of the envelope in this Mm -hmm. Aries conversation where Aries is saying like, oh, why am I not the genius? And he's like, yeah, especially when you found the lightning thief Mm -hmm. and not her. And Aries is like, what did you say? (laughs) And then they have a little bit where Aries is like, well, you know, you and I both know that your friend didn't take the bolt. And then Grover's like, oh, well, you know, Zeus thinks he did. So Mm -hmm. isn't that all that matters? And I'm kind of curious, what exactly is, like, what was Grover getting at there? Like, is he just trying to, like, figure out, like, we'll see because this episode ends with him saying, I know who stole it. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure Grover will give a bit of an explanation of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that, like, Grover has something in his mind and he's trying to get Ares to admit something. Did you have any sort of inkling or is it just, like, Grover's suspicious of Ares or does he think Ares knows who the thief is? I feel like this kind of came up in the book, but I don't really remember. It was, like, oh, like, we both know you're not the lightning thief, but, like, I got to you first and we can make a little deal. Mm -hmm. But I think that was a conversation with Percy. Yeah, I know, because I, I know they definitely figured out with the backpack stuff yeah. and all of that, and the, the Luke is a surprise. So I don't know. With this conversation in the end of this episode, I'm very intrigued to see. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Grover's going to be right. I don't think Grover's going to yeah, be like, no. Luke. I don't think like, so either, because I think they want the Luke twist to be like a what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're especially very, with very their, much going they keep that. pushing the friend line from the prophecy. Yeah, they're doing that. I think that's for sure, especially because like in the trailers they would show the Aries stuff, but they yeah. didn't show any Luke stuff. Yeah. So I think that's supposed to be the big surprise of like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you'll put the pieces together that Aries is someone that Percy's fighting against, but not necessarily Luke. So then back with Percy and Annabeth in Waterland, they get to this big statue. I don't know if they ever say who the statue is of, but it's of like a woman holding a shield, and then there's a chair below her, and then. Percy explains this myth. I'll have to ask Dr. Moya if this is is a real myth that exists. It's new to the book, but I like it. It's a trap chair that apparently Hephaestus made and then Hera sat in it. And that would make sense because it was all peacocky. Mm. And Hera sat in it and she couldn't get out. And then they said, okay, if you release Hera, we'll make Aphrodite your wife. I don't know if that's actually how he got Aphrodite as his wife, but I I like it. I feel like when I was editing the Dr. Moya episodes from way back Uh when... I think it was something along the lines of it was some kind of deal that Aphrodite got to be his wife, but I don't know if this was the exact story. Got it. Cool. I think it makes sense whether it is something, and I'm sure with Rick in the mix, like this has to be something rooted Mm -hmm. in actual mythology. He's too much of a nerd to not make it (laughs) legit. 
also but, to distance from the movie that just made up lore. And, dude, and he got so mad about that in his emails. He was like, you guys are just making stuff up. Like, <laughs> what do you mean uh, th- the that pearls. Per- the pearls are Persephone's? What are you talking about? Like, I love that that's the thing he got the most upset with, <laughs> at was that was they like, messed you know, up the this mythology. This is supposed to introduce kids to Greek mythology. What kind of mythology is this? You're not respecting the source material. <laughs> God, he's such a nerd. I love it. But I like this because in the book, the whole spiders, I'm glad they didn't go mechanical spiders. In the book, it's just like the whole spiders <laughs> TV thing is just supposed to be it's like a prank yeah like, he and... meant to trap Ares and Aphrodite while they were like making out or whatever mm-hmm. they realized there's a trap got it out of there and then Ares wanted to pull a prank on the kids yeah and then also get a shield and not have to deal yeah. with it so I like this more the combination of this change and then Ares and Grover giving us more about the god dynamic mm-hmm. allows it to where Everything that's led up to this moment still tells us the gods are kind of jerks to each other mm-hmm. without having to have something that is so cheesy and hammy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still fun in the book, and the book is fun, but, like, with the TV mm-hmm. show, you're trying to make things a little more grounded. So, like, yeah. I totally get it. But I like that, and it still shows that Hephaestus is a little bit of a jerk. Like, yeah. <laughs> if the way that he got a wife, like, yes, bad things happened to him. They treated him mm-hmm. horribly. But also, if the way he got his wife was, like, through a trick. like, yeah. And then in the book, he's doing a trick to, like, try to make people look bad. They're holding that over. I like it. Now, something that's a change that I hope people don't get upset about, but I'm certain people will, (laughs) is that we get the first drop of seaweed brain, but it's not the original first drop, which I believe the quote is because you're my friend, seaweed brain. But this time, Annabeth says, this isn't the arch seaweed brain when they're kind of going back and forth where Percy is trying to say, I should be the one Mm -hmm. to sit in the chair. I still like this. It is the right circumstance in which she would use a like half loving half making fun of you thing Mm -hmm. is when you're having an argument but it's because you're being too nice like i think it does still thematically fit i'm glad seaweed brain is in it i hope people just are excited enough about seaweed brain being in it and not Mm -hmm. like it's not the correct seaweed brain (laughs) so then percy makes the final call for him to be in the chair by saying that Annabeth is better at this than he is. So she should go on. The fate said one of them is going to die soon. It should be him. Again, the sacrifice. And he brings back the part where he's like, I chose you because I knew I'd have to be sacrificed at some point and you better be doing this. You better be following through. You better prove that I was right about you. A hundred percent. I love it. I also wrote in my notes here, Leah's doing great facial acting. Mm-hmm. And then before the chair thing begins, Percy says, can I ask you one favor? And then Annabeth is like, don't worry, I'm not going to leave the underworld without your mother. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Knew. But then Percy goes, oh, I was going to say, could you come back here? And the course is over. So, so good. So, so, Just so, like so good. you had to ask. Mm-hmm. So funny. Also, I realized Walker is just wet for most of this episode. (laughs) He's been wet for a lot of the season, but this episode in particular, he is wet a lot. And I know from some behind the scenes things that they said that they were putting like a particular like gel. Yeah, glycerin. Yeah, to like make it wet and just stay and not have to like constantly douse Mm -hmm. him with water. But like his clothes are wet and stuff. Yeah. I wonder (laughs) if he was annoyed because it's one of the differences from the book is like doesn't Percy have the ability where his clothes don't get wet I wonder (laughs) I did see um, I don't know if it was a TikTok or maybe um, Disney posted it themselves there's an interview clip where he's like yeah I'm Oh, I think they asked him, like, what was the most surprising thing? And he was like, I didn't realize how wet I would be the whole time. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, a, he's a kid. He's having fun. Yeah. Apparently, he enjoyed doing all the, like, stunty type yeah. stuff that he was allowed to do. But, yeah, maybe as he continues to grow his powers, they will get mm-hmm. the, like, you don't turn wet thing. But maybe they'll just, like, never establish it. Who's yeah, to but say? But also, practically, that's really hard. 
to keep making him wet or, or to, to keep flip. to make him dry yeah, underwater. That is what would be really hard. It would be harder to make him look dry underwater yeah. than it would be to just like keep making him yeah. wet above water. But anyway, he sits in the chair, cool gold effects of everything, mm-hmm. him getting all locked in. Then he turns into like gold statue mode man. Annabeth is like trying to look at the gears to see if she can mm-hmm. fix it and hack it. And then Hephaestus shows up and I was not expecting Hephaestus to show up this early. Like, I, Oh, really? Well, I don't know. I mean, I knew he was going to show up in this season just because mm-hmm. they announced the casting. But for whatever reason, I thought that was just going to be like, there's going to be like an Olympus scene oh, and then a okay. bunch of them will be there. Were you anticipating like, I... oh, if they're going to Waterland, he's going to show up? No. (laughs) While we were watching the episode, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this looks like the background coloring looks like the picture, the official picture they posted of him. And I was like, oh, of course he's going to come out. Like, this Mm -hmm. is his whole water park. And also, I was really excited. I love Timothy Omenson because I was a big fan of Psych when I was in high school. Okay. And that's like where I first like saw him Mm -hmm. act. So, big fan. I did after seeing this. Great beard. Great little curly mustache. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to him at the premiere really badly. Mm -hmm. He was like near me a couple of times but both times that he passed me I was in a conversation with someone else and it would have been rude for me to be like uh I'm gonna go talk to Ephesus real quick like and it just like didn't work out I did send him a DM on Instagram to be like yo do you want to come on the pod because that worked for Suzanne Cryer people are like oh my god how did Mike get access to Suzanne Cryer I sent a DM uh and it worked always shoot your shot shoot your shot you yeah. never know baby yeah so he shows up on the balcony, talks a little bit. He does play a pan flute to make the mm. ladder show up. So now pan flutes have been introduced into the world, meaning that Grover can get his reed pipes. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to for sure be a thing where he has his magical power. I can't wait to see mm-hmm. him use his powers with his reed pipes. But then he has this conversation with Annabeth that starts with him kind of being like, just leave him. Your mother's going to be okay now. You get the mm-hmm. shield. It'll be seen as glory, blah, blah, blah. But then he does kind of like take Annabeth's side a little bit where he says, we both know how your mother can get, but this was a lot even for her. And I double checked with you and Kelly to make sure that I understood <laughs> the comprehension. But what we had said was that he is referring to like all of the stuff that has happened since she let the chimera into the arch. That is mm-hmm. the this that yeah. he's referring to. The whole punishing Annabeth for Percy's actions thing and mm-hmm. all the consequences that that has led to. Right. But then, as you had pointed out, we saw that same either TikTok or Instagram reel, the parallels mm-hmm. between what happened to Medusa and what happened to Annabeth yeah. with, you know, Poseidon did the bad thing, but Athena mm-hmm. blamed her. And then Percy Poseidon's did the bad kid. thing. Yeah, and then Athena kid. blamed her. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really good. So then we have more of Annabeth pushing back against the natural order because Mm -hmm. Hephaestus is kind of like, you know, just go with the flow. And she's like, no, I don't want to go with the flow. He's like, well, the easy way to glory, which I'm assuming that's what you want, just leave him. Mm -hmm. And she says no. And she also says he, Percy, is Mm -hmm. above this. And she wants to change. I really like it. And then Hephaestus Mm -hmm. realizes She's got a point. And mm-hmm. I've been screwed over. I don't like how we do things mm-hmm. either. So he plays his little repipes, pan flute, whatever it is again. And then that sets Percy free. And Hephaestus has now taken a liking to Annabeth and says that he's going to put in a good word about her to Athena, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. I yeah. love this change. Yeah, I love how you can see Annabeth and Percy rubbing off on each other mm-hmm. so much in this episode, especially this one thing, because... Just one episode before in the train sleeping scene, she was pushing against Percy for this exact same thing. And now she's completely changed her mind where she's like, yeah, I don't deserve to be treated this way. Mm -hmm. I do deserve to be treated like a person. Yeah, it's good. She is 
learning from Percy to stand up for herself. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice. And I also like the early establishment of Hephaestus is kind of on our side because later in the series, he yeah. will help out in other ways. So I think this is cool to have like, a mm -hmm. okay, he kind of helped us here. Yeah. And then it moves on. And I, I just, again, I like that this whole thing has made the mechanical spiders more impactful. I feel like they're mm. doing that at every single instance. And it's a just the best version of condensing the story mm. is like take emotional impact from other stuff, put it into the quests, the little side quests. And it's great. Another thing that I think is great, the fact that they've cast Timothy Amundsen as Hephaestus and mm -hmm. he uses a cane mm -hmm. and Hephaestus uses a cane, which works with the myth. Like, it's just mm -hmm. great. Like, in terms of the casting, it's all cool. I'm glad to see it. Also, the cane looks cool. Like, yeah. whatever is on the head, awesome. The gold detailing. Yeah, gosh, super cool. His vibe, his glasses, his mm -hmm. beard. Oh, God, phenomenal, phenomenal. It's the epitome of a tinkerer. Yes. But it's so sophisticated yes. as well. I'm glad they went with Tinkerer and not like steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> it looks so much better. So then Percy and Annabeth pull up into the diner, drop the shield. The shield mm -hmm. is so loud in this yeah. episode. When the shield drops from the statue, it makes such a loud clang. And when they put it on the table in the diner, it makes such a loud mm -hmm. clang. I want to know what the regular people thought this was. Oh, Because the yeah. noise that would have made in the diner, mm -hmm. everyone would have turned their head. Yeah. What did the mist make that shield look like? It's very interesting. But then they slam it down and then Percy asks Ares, where's our ride? Which is such a good, like, that's such a thing Percy would say. Mm -hmm. Like, it's such a Percy line. And then here is my only gripe with this episode. And I haven't had much to gripe about with the TV show. I've thought it's very good. There's one person who left a comment on Spotify that was like, I'm really disappointed in your coverage of the TV show. You haven't said anything critical. You're just praising everything. He's like, well, first off, I'm sorry. I'm just liking everything. Okay. Like, my bad. But Why do people get upset when other people don't not like something? Like, what? Like, I can get their perspective in that, like, maybe they think I'm, like, pulling my punches. So, like, I'm not trying to make fun of this person. I'm, I'm sure other people have thought about it, which is why I'm, like, bringing up the comment. But this is a thought that I had internally when I was making the early episodes of TNO about the Lightning Thief. I did, like, the first couple of episodes, and I was like, I haven't said a single negative thing about this book. <laughs> And that's why I feel like I skewed towards like getting a bit too critical of things that like didn't matter, like really being like, oh, mm -hmm. I found something to be upset about. And and, it, and like some people early on in the flip were like, it feels like he's looking for stuff to get upset about. And the reason that it felt like that is because it's what I was doing. Like it just <laughs> felt weird that I had made like five episodes. So I was like, I've said nothing negative about this book at all. But I, I'm just enjoying the TV show. I think I'm just like, I'm kind of waiting for the whole show to finish. I'm being more gracious. And I will be honest, like, because I've been able as a distinguished member of the press, <laughs> been able to talk with people like because I know what has gone into the show. Mm -hmm. I think some of the changes stuff, I'm like, oh, they had to do this or like, mm -hmm. oh, I get yeah. it. Or like, I'm trying, I'm thinking about it more knowing of like, well, they did this. Like, why don't they have this? Well, because of casting, like I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Well, also it's like, not everyone can get everything they hoped for. Mm -hmm. It just isn't going to be how you, it looked in your head. Yeah. There, are, I don't know how many people there are in this world, but like, you're, no one's imagination is going to look the same. Like, there's a lot that goes into making a TV show. The other thing is, I could spend, and this is one of our longer episodes. Like, I could <laughs> clearly spend two hours just talking about the stuff that I like in an episode <laughs> if we get into like too many of the things that I didn't like. But I don't know. I I do have like some things that I would have done differently or whatever. This is one thing that I that does like bug me a little bit, and I've made this same critique of the movies, and I'm making it here. What Aerie says is that, you know, he takes him over to the truck and it's with the animals and he's saying, this is going to the Lotus Casino. That's where Hermes is. He can, with his personal driver, get you to L.A. in a matter of minutes. 
And I just don't like intentionally going to the Lotus Casino because the yeah. whole purpose of the Lotus Casino is like they in the stumble myth, across it. Yeah, because in the original myth, it's supposed to be like an accident that they show mm-hmm. up there. And in the book, it's like a mirage sort of thing where like they come across it. Like, yeah, they were like so tired and hungry. They're like, let's just chill for a bit. Right. To me, that feels like the point of it. Mm-hmm. And I will hold out on judgment until we see exactly what they do and the Hermes of it all like... So I don't know, but that that is something where I'm like, God, I don't like that the movie did it. I don't like that that they've done this in the show. Mm-hmm. I'll see if there's a reason that makes sense. Yeah. I, I wonder I if know. no, it doesn't make sense to get rid of the time part of it. No, they're for sure gonna keep it to where they've been in there for days. Yeah. They're gonna keep that as well. And I know in some people, some people, and this is again like me understanding it's a show. Some people are like, why are they putting Hermes in season one? Because uh, Lin Manuel Miranda is cast as Hermes. Like <laughs> they got to put eyeballs on the show. Like yeah. they're they're gonna cast him as Hermes. They're gonna find an excuse to get him in. Mm-hmm. So if all of this is just an excuse also, to get Lin, I'd be upset. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, also because they showed Hermes bringing the package in mm-hmm. at the end of episode three, I feel like that's gonna come back too. Like, sure. You, like you're not gonna cast Lin Manuel Miranda for a five second scene of him in an elevator whistling. No. Like, Definitely not. Like, maybe he would sign on to that. I don't know him, but like, that feels like not something A-list people do. No, absolutely not. No way. But I just feel like the point of the Lotus is to be a thing you're not intentionally yeah, going like, to. Yeah, like, it would have been fun if Ares was just like, oh, you're going to Vegas and you got to find Hermes. Yeah. Like, that's all I'm telling you. Right, exactly. And I know, like, they got to get to L.A., and I don't know. This is the one thing that, like, did bug me. Like, again, I'll see. But this was a thing that I thought of like a legit gripe. And I will agree with this person who made the comment. I've not said anything like big picture critical. <laughs> like my biggest critique so far was like the street signs weren't the right size font. So. I had to watch that episode like three times to even see the street sign. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to know what Mike's talking about. I live in New York now. It's just a little too sweet. Just a little and then I was like, oh, I, I understand. <laughs> so this is like the first gripe. I haven't had any. And like it does bug me a little bit. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So they're going to go. Hermes apparently hangs out at the Lotus Casino and then he's going to get them to L.A. Then Ares gives them a backpack, which I'm sure is just a normal backpack. Mm -hmm. It's probably just fine. Can't think of anything else of what we would think about this backpack. And we then get the beginning of Percy not really liking Ares. Mm -hmm. And that was an interesting thing is this whole episode goes and I was like, until he started to get angry at Ares, I was like, oh, right. Percy's supposed to hate Ares. Yeah. And he really didn't say much to him. And that's so different. But Ares makes a little comment about Poseidon. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a comment about them failing the quest. And that was two strikes too many for Percy. <laughs> where he's like, you kind of made fun of my dad, who I guess I like now. But <laughs> big complaint. You said we weren't going to do this thing properly. And I think we're going to do it. How dare you? So he gets angry. And then he says, you keep thinking you know who I am, but you don't. And if you're not careful, you're going to find out. Oh. Good. Really good Percy line, but also, Percy, you have zero sword training. You are going to need a montage ASAP. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then Grover steps in to defuse the situation as he always does. Mm -hmm. He goes in and says to Ares, thank you for the emotional abuse and the cheeseburgers and the ride. We're going to take you up on that. And then they get into the ride. I love the practical effect, whatever they did to make the doors open and close Mm -hmm. when Ares snaps. Real fun. And then they get in. It's kind of smelly and stuff. But Grover says he knows who stole the bolt in the episode ends and then we get the I (laughs) love the cliffhangers they're ending on Mm -hmm. but I don't love that once someone starts saying a line with such dramatic effect like I know it's gonna end now and I want Mm -hmm. so much more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's tough it's really tough 
So we've already said it, but let's just kind of end this here. Who do you think that Grover is going to think it is? I think Grover's going to think it's either Ares himself, mm-hmm. but I guess they had the whole conversation of like, oh, well, gods can't steal each other things. Yeah. I think Grover thinks it's Clarice yeah. who stole it and then gave it to her dad. Yeah. I think that's a good theory. I'd be interested to see what happened in the book with all of this, but I think that might be what Grover is thinking. I don't think he's going to jump to Luke, and I can't really think of any other demigod that has been established as Chris like, Rodriguez. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> it is funny that that particular role if you look at the IMDb credits, it's just Chris. <laughs> Only Chris, no last name, which like does open the door where they, ha- I don't think they will because the kid seems nice mm-hmm. and I think he did a good job. If they have to recast, they could be like, well, that was a different Chris. <laughs> they could have a different Chris. I like that they didn't full Chris Rodriguez him. But yeah, I, I think Clarice, I, I didn't really have an answer. And then you, me and Kelly were all talking about it after we finished. And I think you're right. I think River's going to think it's Clarice. And I think the reasoning is going to be because well, Clarice is a bully, and I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe Grover's like, oh, maybe she knew something. That's why she's bullying Percy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I. It just feels like if Grover does know a demigod had to have done it, mm-hmm. then yeah. The only other thing I could think is Grover being like, if he just says Ares worked with a demigod to steal the bull, and yeah. then doesn't say who. Yeah. So that's the only other thing yeah. I could think. Well, also, I want to see if that one scene where Grover's talking to the council, if that comes back into play, if maybe he got like more general info there or something Mm. because I feel like there's no way they put together the whole council of cloven elder set just to shoot like five seconds of Grover, like looking at them. No, I think it's also something I know they did it on the volume. So it was mostly CGI (laughs) (laughs) that might make it easier, but I know from some of the talks that I had with the production people that like they're trying to that tree nymph person Helena mm. is supposed to be like basically like Grover's mom oh, okay. and I think that that's going to be like a motif that they have mm. going throughout the story like I think she's going to come back okay. so I think it, even if it doesn't come up this season I think they're trying to establish like the council and the person he was talking to like have more in this story okay. as a whole so maybe it'll come back more because they really didn't show us too much but yeah, yeah. like there will be more council Maybe it's in the season. Maybe it's not. But that is the end of this episode. This was super fun. We will be answering five quick questions on Patreon exclusive, the Patron 5, about this episode. So you can all head over to the newsolympian.com slash Patreon and join at any of the TNO tiers to hear that. But other than that, that's all we've got here. Sherry, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for anything, having me. Of course, of course. Is there anything that you want to plug aside from the wonderful editing work that you do on most episodes of this show, but not <laughs> this particular one? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if you want to see art that I've made, you can go to my website, sherryguo.com. Other than that, um, listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes, it's good. And Sherry does and, a lot of great work. Yeah. Also, if you are hiring in New York, I'm looking for a job. Let's go. Hit Sherry (laughs) up. Or if you need a podcast editor, she's good. Yeah. Email me. (laughs) Do it. Email's on my website. Perfect. Sherry. But please don't email me about other things. Only job inquiries. I did see that you added to your website emails about the Yeah, it was just one email. Okay. But I was just like. (laughs) That's all it takes. I'm not feeling emails for this. I'm sorry. No, I am sorry that that happened. What it needs to do is go to the the Venus Olympian inbox, which I check very sporadically. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for joining listeners. Thank you for listening. And until we see what's up at the Lotus Casino, seeing if Lin-Manuel Miranda sings again. <laughs> Till then, I'll see you later.
Hello. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanas and Brandon Grugel. And the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you can't get enough of the show, you can find us on social media. We're at Newest Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we're on Reddit as well, reddit.com slash r slash The Newest Olympian. And if you really can't get enough of the show, you can check out the bonus content for the podcast at thenewestolympian.com slash Patreon. There's a bunch of bonus content you can get exclusive exclusive merchandise, lots of fun stuff there. And if you want other merchandise, you can go to our merch store, thenewestolympian.com slash merch. I mentioned the Patreon, so let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steve Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hauskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Frida Vikstrom, Megan Moon, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Sabrina Balsiger, Boney Pony, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Josh Sayre, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Sam Sam Reeby, Riley Kittas, Mary Kelly, Mrs. O'Leary, Milo Kim, Cece Reads 23, San Coff, Julia Kendall, Ricky, John Drielsma, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Persasabeth, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson Fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction Coming Up, Ginger Spurs Boy, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Olivia Krinicki, Mrs. O'Leary is Best Doggo, Bradimus Prime, Keepo Guy, McKenna Finley, Skylar Sisters, Demigod Nurse, Zachary Hamilton, Scott Sheldon, Sophie, and Natanya Page. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, just talk about the podcast, whether that is posting about it on social media or reaching out to someone that you think would like the show or just leaving us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you are using. All of those things help. Spreading the show's existence via word of mouth is essential for the podcast, so I'm very appreciative to anyone who has done that in the past or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode and I hope you tune into our next episode where we'll be joined by the folks who bring you the Monster Donut Podcast and we will be discussing episode six of the TV show. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. I'm just going to try cracking my knuckles for this ASMR Mike segment. Let's see if it works. Got a couple in there. Thank you so much for listening.